Now, it's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. All in the game, Neil Atkinson, Dave Downey, and this week stepping in just in case is John Gibbons. Uh, the reason why he's stepping in just in case is there's a bit of talk that Downey's voice is going to go. How are you doing, Dave? It, it's not as bad as first for you, but I, I still feel it may well go. So Gibbo's more than the way he's standing, as we've seen before on the show. So. <laughs> well, he's, he's sitting next to me. I've got your back, Dave. I'm your wingman on this. He is. Uh, and we've also got on the phone coming up in part two, we've got Rory Smith because I want to have a conversation with him about mad results and the prevalence of mad results in the last, I'd say, the last two seasons, three seasons of this league. There's, there's been more and more results that would normally be put down as freaks and I want to have a conversation about that in part three we'll talk about the gap is there a gap going to develop between Liverpool Arsenal Chelsea Manchester City and Everton and those beneath them can that happen but in part one uh, it's very very gracious of her to do that. We, this we've got Catherine Stewart on the phone who contributes to the Anfield Rap to discuss Tottenham Hotspur without sort of dwelling on, uh, on the game yesterday um, <laughs> Catherine you've lost a very 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 handsome manager oh. I know. I seriously, I'm quite devastated on that front as well. Um, it, it was a definite step up from Red Nuts. <laughs> I mean, this, this sort of thing, this sort of thing matters. As uh, I actually mentioned it to my girlfriend this morning, and she said that Andre Villas Boas is too pretty to manage. Yeah. <laughs> that was her outlook, and I think that maybe that's what's done for him in the end. He's uh, you can't be the most attractive man in the dressing room if you're the football manager. Yeah, I mean, I think my boyfriend's quite pleased that he's now number one again in my life. But uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm not a sad when Martin Yole got sacked so, so I'm just sort of taking it in my stride a bit well I mean it's it's a fascinating sack and I think it's it's really weird this because you look at the sort you look at the results and how well he's done over the last two seasons that'll do Jake Jesus you're killing me um, you know you look at how well he's done over the last two seasons and you look at aspects of, of, of what he's had to deal with and all that sort of stuff uh, yeah. top of the Europa League group and where Spurs actually are in the league it doesn't look that bad but as I said the other day you know you look at the results specifically City, Liverpool to a certain extent West Ham you know these verge on sort of gross misconduct in terms of one-off games you can't go to your rivals play your rivals and get, get done for for no. six and five. Yeah, I mean, I mean, saying that, I don't think results tell the story completely. I mean, you'll always have, as you, you were intro in the show, you'll have fluke results in a season. But I mean, I think the thing for me, particularly yesterday, was that, you know, it was about 70 minutes in, we made a substitution, the comments were, who went off for him? And apart from Hugo Lloris, I couldn't, didn't know, it's one player on our pitch yesterday, there was not one player who stood up and wanted it and was trying for it. And, and I think that's kind of been going on all season, really. We still don't know our best 11. We still, you know, we, we're just not that interesting to watch anymore. And, you know, I really did like what AVB was trying to do. I think there was too much change with the squad, whether how much of that he wanted and how much he was given is, is a different thing altogether. But, you know, it just it, it wasn't working. And, I mean, I would have liked to have seen him have a little more time, I think. Um, you know, we had a couple of good results, won three and then, and then lost this so badly. But I think it's more the manner in which we were losing games. It, it strikes me as interesting. What strikes me as interesting, Dave, is the timing of this is the most interesting <coughs> thing, I think. They've had a look here, I think, Spurs, and they've thought, if we do this now and someone comes in and gives us a boost, I'm not quite sure who that is yet, but if someone comes in and gives us a boost, then we're still 
banging for everything. If we don't do it now, if we let them have a look, and then the next three, because Tottenham's next three are away at Southampton, home to West Brom, home to Stoke. Their Spurs is next three. Mm. So I think it's clearly you know there's, there's clearly been a decision made there. And in fact, I think there's one just after that. Yeah, and then there's a uh, then there's United not long after that on New <laughs> yeah. Year's Day. You know, so I think they've had a look, haven't they, Dave? And they've thought, well, if we do it now. Then you know there's still time to write this, but if we don't, then it, it, it can it can become a, a greater problem. I think it's a, you know it, it's a massive decision that they've taken, a big step to take because, I mean, if you look at a team that's struggling with a manager, you, you've often said is going on to be a, one of the bigger and better managers in this world. You know, you, you look at what he did at Porto, and I think there was a stat I heard yesterday in the game that he hasn't actually managed the team for longer than one season. Mm. But somebody with such potential, or you think's got such potential, you'd see those fixtures as a play us to turn things around so I think it's a massive vote of no confidence in him initially to, to sort of to sack him but you know it's funny we, we spoke about this word arrogance and Martinez and, and uh, Rogers have used it a lot in this last week and he come across that way to me for Spurs but to his detriment as in you know there's a lot of, uh, and, and Catherine will be able to tell us a little bit more about it but in terms of Soldado and the lack of use of the foe and things like that it did seem very arrogant as in he, he wasn't willing to have a pragmatic approach it was going to be this this structured style that he come up with originally that's what I couldn't believe yesterday in that game Catherine you know without, I don't want to really dwell on it too much in this part but what, what struck me was the relentlessness of this high line and how it was exposed and especially Dawson repeatedly completely I mean he's just I love Dawson. I really do. He's, he's, you know, he loves the club. He's a player I think he needs in every in every club. But I mean, this doesn't suit him. And I think, and you've touched on it there with Soldado as well. I mean, like we saw him in Europe in the week. Some really classy finishes. You know, you don't become a bad player overnight. And when he scores, he's he's just he's just class. But the, the team are not set up to support him. I mean, if you put the foe on, it's the same thing. If you're playing them as lone strikers, they need someone around them. Uh, they've not been tried together really. And I think that was it probably that's probably what Daniel Levy's seen there didn't quite seem to be the plan B this season that we perhaps had last season obviously Gareth Bale was part of that as well but um, I think that was a big problem there was no one there was no one near Soldado and that's been the thing all season it's not this isn't a 4-2-3-1 where there's clearly someone who's right behind him it's mm. more of a it's either a 4-5-1 or a 4-3-3 you know he's very much he's Soldado doing this all this stuff on his own that he doesn't look that that much cut out to do there's no clear supply line to him is there Catherine or, or there wasn't no I mean I think the only time that seems to work um, is when we've had Sigurdsson who's played a bit further forward he seems to have you know maybe a bit of rapport with him but he gets played very infrequently I think still shuffling the squad about so much but yeah he does need someone very close to him that he can play off because he will get in positions but what's happening at the moment he's getting one chance in 90 minutes and he's so you know you know, he's missing it because he's rusty because he's not getting any opportunities um, and when we when we set out slightly differently like we did in Europe last week you know he got a hat-trick and takes penalties so calmly he's just class and I would love to see us support him more I think that will help push on so who would you say who 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 do you want to see come in oh, it's such a tough one that was the first thing I thought today I was like well who's actually available I mean there's talk of Glenn Hoddle but then I don't know is that a bit of a a Kenny situation never go well you know I know it's great when he came back for you, for you all but is it uh, I, I don't know um I, I really don't know. I, I Sorry, I know that's really unhelpful. No, it's not, it's not no helpful idea. at all. It is. I think it is hard. There's talk of Capello as well. Well, he's managing Russia, you know what I mean? And I never thought he'd keep doing that. He'd want, he'd want that easy thing. I think it's fascinating, John. I think we should spend 60 seconds between us and try and put a shortlist together for Catherine. Because <laughs> I think it's I think it's a really difficult situation. There doesn't look to be that many people around who you go, well, you maybe have a point on, punt on him, you'd maybe have a punt exactly. on him, John. 
Yeah, it, it is a difficult one. Glenn Hoddle's come up quite a bit, which is quite interesting. I think it'd be it'd be it'd be a mad appointment. I'd quite like to see just for just for its madness. But uh, you know, I mean, I'm not a Tottenham fan, so one necessarily, um, you know, just just look to please me on these things. And there's a bit of talk on on Twitter about them having another look at Martinez, but I don't think I'll go. I think he's you know he's he's enjoying himself what he's doing, and he's only just gone there. And then after that, it's kind of tricky. Some of the some of the young managers who were kind of you know fated recently have kind of gone off the boat. We saw today Zola who who, who yeah. looked at a very good manager this time last year has now has now um, sort of you know resigned with Watford mm. struggling. So I think it is it is a difficult one. Um I mean Capello maybe maybe might be up for taking it short term. I don't know. I don't know I know Russia have got the World Cup in the summer but he hasn't got a lot on till then surely. Well that, that this is the one thing that I think you know Dave this all, all, all is also the hodl argument I think. I think there's an argument that Spurs could be thinking let's just get to the end of the season yeah. as strongly as possible but and then have a look then. But Dave you know there's not that you, you'd be surprised to Pochettino took it. You know, Martinez has been mentioned there, but he's, he looks so settled at Everton as he's well. He's doing such a good job there as well. Yeah. I mean, why he'd want to leave that to come to Tottenham, I don't know. Well, I'm with you, Catherine. I'd go for Kenny Dalglish if I was you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've decided I want Jürgen Klinsmann. That's oh, what yeah. I want. Oh, yeah. But yeah. He's, he's yeah. just signed a new contract in America, hasn't he? You yeah, know, and but Tottenham legend. He'll come back. No problem. Yeah, contract, contracts are meaningless. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think it's very, very difficult. I, you know, I think uh, there's still Di knocking around, but I wouldn't particularly want Di um, <clears throat> I think it's, you know, you get the impression Levy doesn't do much without a plan, but all of a sudden this seems a little bit rushed. Yeah. Um, the, the, the one I liked which came out from Tor Carlson was Spalletti, who's currently in, with mm. Zenit and not doing a great deal sort of with Zenit, whether or not he'd be interested in coming mm. to English football. Bielsa hasn't got a job. I mean, it's whether or not you want to take a gamble, get that sort of manager in who's quite... Another manager who's very, very um, based around an attacking philosophy, very based around the idea of being risk-taking and forward-thinking, or if it is just, you know, just hang on in there, get to the end of the season, and see what happens. You've got the League Cup game coming up soon. Yeah, There's still I, every chance of silverware this season. Well, I was, I'm going on Wednesday night. I hope my money spend is worth it. Um, but yeah, we, I, there's a lot of talk actually, interestingly, of Loudrop as well, because he plays that attractive football that we, you know, us fans at, at the lane want, you know. Um, but again, he, he, he's doing well with Swansea. They've got a nice Europa League tie coming up now, haven't they, as well? So I don't know, it, it'll be so interesting. But you're right, I think Levy will. You know, I don't think he'll have done this without a few feelers out there anyway. Uh, OK, then. So, so is there any clear name, then, gentlemen, that you'd want if you were in Catherine's position, or do you just think it's 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 chaos now? It is chaos, and, and I think you've summed it up rightly. It doesn't seem to... It seems to do it now... Um, you know, it just, it just seems like they're with, they are without a plan and whether he's got something up his sleeve or whether Baldini's got someone who he says, you know, we'll get this fella. Um, it was interesting that Capella was there, although you can you can, you can can look too much into these these things, obviously, but maybe he has got someone on his sleeve. But I, think, I don't think Loudrup's a bad shout, actually. Oh, I think yeah. I think Loudrup might be looking at Swansea and thinking, have I, have I done as much as I can here? His, his, his recent results in the league haven't been that great, really, but maybe he's looking at it and thinking, because he, he had a bit of a moan in the summer, didn't he? And yeah. it looked like he, he might walk then and then they bought a couple of players for him. So maybe, maybe he's he's someone who who could use a new challenge and um, you know and he's a good-looking fellow as well. And you look at look at the direct impact he could have on the uh, the midfield lads. There, you know, it's not bad, is it? You know, the midfield that they've got in abundance. Well, yeah. this is the thing. The key thing is that I still think that's a really really strong squad. I think it maybe it could yeah. maybe do with a di- another alternative up front. Conceivably, it could maybe do with looking at itself at left back. But that, and, yeah. and and Vias Boas has been unlucky with injuries as well, hasn't he, Catherine? But that's still a really strong squad. But it certainly is. I mean, in terms of left back, a lot of fans are. Saying I don't know why we let Astor Kotto go out on loan when he was our first choice left back last season, and then obviously the minute that happened, Danny Rose got injured. I mean, I don't think AVB rated him or it didn't fit in with his system. Um, we definitely need a striker. Um, 
um, if Loud Drop comes, maybe we'll meet you with him as well. That'd be nice. Um, but yeah, we've definitely got a strong squad, but we just need to sort of make a couple of additions, hopefully in January, new manager, make it work and just push on because players we got should be achieving more than they are and playing better football. Excellent stuff. Okay, this is City Talk 105.9. This is all in the game. John Gibbons as a, as a Dave Downey deputy. That's Catherine Stewart done as well. Coming up after the break, we've got Rory Smith and then we'll just kick on from there. Thanks a lot, Catherine. Speak to you soon. Bye. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game. This is one of those conversations, and I'm glad we've got Rory joining us, where we're going to talk a lot, and we may not actually come up with anything particularly concrete. We're going to talk around things a fair bit. Um, because... I'm, I'm still not entirely sure what my point is here, but I'm going to start it and we'll see where we end up. So, Rory, I think my point is that for the first time I can remember, and I think it's now about two seasons, two and a half seasons, it feels as though every two or three weeks there's a freak result. There were two freak results this weekend. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur nil, Liverpool 5. Oh, he's disappeared. Hi, Rory. Uh, <laughs> he's disappeared. We'll see if we get him back now. I'll, I'll keep developing the point. I'll put it on email before to Rory, John. It's that, you know, there's Tottenham Hotspur nil, Liverpool 5. City scored in six against uh, Arsenal. City scored six two, three weeks ago. They put four past Manchester United. Last season, they put six past them there. A couple of seasons ago, Arsenal got done 8-2 by Manchester United. Um, you know, you've got a, even Liverpool, even the Merseyside derby is the only time the Merseyside derby's ever been 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. It's mad. I mean, there's there's now more results that you look at, and this isn't sides beating sides in the bottom half six nil. Yeah. This is sides beating each other in the top half of the table by fours and fives. There's more high scoring games than there's ever been. I'd, why is that? I think it's partly something that we've touched on before, which is about the league being less tactical. And I think you know in kind of 07 to 09 if you like when you had sort of Mourinho Benitez at, at the top and, and Fergus, Ferguson went you know he was with Queiros with Queiros and things like that and it was it was, it was the time when we were doing as in we as in English clubs were doing their best in Europe you know you had sort of Liverpool getting to the final and then Chelsea United you know playing each other in the final and it was the times it was the time when, when English clubs were doing their best and I think that was they weren't just doing that in Europe they were yeah. looking to do it you, you saw Man United come to um, Anfield for example and play like an away team in Europe and when they beat us a couple of years in a row 1-0 you know it was very much a kind of away European performances people don't tend to approach away games like that now everyone's a little more open it's interesting that we, we know we've seen the resurgence of two up front this season as well. City are playing it, Liverpool are playing it when people are fit. You know, other clubs sort of having a look at this really and generally looking to take more risks. I think being a bit more open and I guess as well focusing, teams seem to be focusing much more on what they're about rather than worrying too much about the opposition. And, you know, whether that's a better way to do it, you know, it's, it's for people to decide. But it's certainly, I think, making things more open and you would argue more exciting for most of the neutrals. I remember, Dave, I remember in 2008, in February 2008, uh, when Arsenal were top of the league, they were six points clear. They went to Manchester United in the Cup. And on the telly, they got done 4-1 at Old Trafford. And everyone went bananas. Yeah. Like it was real end the day stuff like oh my god how can they come back from this Arsenal look completely shot everything's over for Arsenal now and they were top of the league at the time <laughs> and it, but, but it was such a it was such a classic cataclysmic result I remember when Chelsea came to Anfield and put four past Liverpool I think in the um, in, I think it was 4-1 it, was Jeremy scored wasn't it yeah, yeah. And, it put, and, and everyone was like that. look how good they are mm. that is remarkable these results now they're so commonplace they've become actually commonplace that now you know United get done 4-1 
one by City and everyone goes, yeah. Well, that that was, mm. you know, at some point that was on. It's it's crazy stuff, I think. It's it's so... And I don't even think it's just... I think it's interesting John focuses on Mourinho and Benitez and that sort of era from 2004 onwards. I don't remember a single notable Bob Paisley result where in Liverpool go away from home in a tough game against a rival and score five, apart mm. from the one where Rush scores four, which we still sing about. Yeah, <laughs> that's, how, that's how strange it was. Yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't, yeah. That, that doesn't and, and the Liverpool five not to go Forest Nil as well that people still talk yeah. about as well as a kind of a mad result in a fantastic performance. I, I think there's a there's a couple of things in what Gibbo said was very much true. I think you, you see sides going to places with no fear now. But I also think one well, of the reasons is I think defence has got so much more poorer now, nowadays I think mm. you know I mean I was only just thinking then when you were talking about it you know look back four or five years ago you know when Villa were on the precipice of a top four push you look at the defence they had then I think they had that, that big last knew he had to retire early and they had solid defences and teams used to build from the back I don't think that's the case now I think it's let's get some flair creativity into our side let's get some goals in and, and you know and see how far we can take it rather than let's build a solid foundation and just play to stay in the league it's interesting you say that actually Dave in terms of solid foundations because fullbacks have completely changed as yeah. well what we, what we want from a fullback you know everyone every team in the Premier League wants attacking fullbacks now Steve it's not Finn's just fault though <laughs> uh, Rory's, we've got managed to get Rory back to join us good evening Rory I believe you prepared him for your, uh, for, your for your crowning at the FSF Awards uh, I, I suspect that's not what I'm preparing for but I've got my glum face ready <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm a bit glum but I kind of understand the decision that's what I'm, I'm preparing myself for I think that that's, uh, that's, I think that Andy Heaton's doing the same thing he's on his way down as well for the same awards ceremony um, though I, though Andy won't understand the decision the decision <laughs> no. will make literally no sense to him there'll be chairs thrown uh, yeah there'll be chairs, the chairs thrown them um, <laughs> Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, I mean, this we've just talked about it there. I, I think this goes... For, uh, John pin, pinpointed it from, say, uh, the arrival Benitez and Mourinho and all that sort of stuff. But I think, I pointed out to John, you know, you think about the the great Liverpool side from 77 to, 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 to about uh, 1990, and we still sing about Liverpool going to Everton and winning 5-0 and scoring four goals. The Liverpool versus Nottingham Forest game, as John pointed out, is a game that's highlighted as, a, oh my God, look what Liverpool did to Nottingham Forest. Whereas that's commonplace this season. You know, you've got nine goals shared between City and Arsenal. It's, it's, it is now commonplace, these sorts of results. Yeah, do you know, I, I caught the tail end of what, of what, of what John O'Neill was saying about full-backs. I think that's a, that's a great point. I think that what managers want from their teams has changed. I think the emphasis changed with Barcelona, that everyone sort of decided that you had to attack. I think the nature of the smaller teams has changed a bit as well in terms of like the Swansea come up and they're prepared to have a go. And even even that Hull aren't, aren't bad going forward. They've not got absolutely good players, but you know they, 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 they don't just sort of sit back and hope for the best. Yeah. That's changed. And I think the big teams maybe have followed that lead. They've realised that and an attack is is the um is the, is the sort of the overriding philosophy now. I think this, this is one of those things where marketing as well as kind of come into play. That that teams are much more conscious that that it's big attacking signings who sell shirts rather than big defensive signings. So you've seen a, a chronic sort of undervaluing of the importance of defence in the transfer market. Teams go for spikes. You know, Man City don't sign Stevan Jovetic rather than another central defender. Do you know what I mean? It just seems that everyone thinks more about attack than, As than defence. A, a friend of ours said that uh, City, City uh, will miss Aguero, but they might find, they'll might they probably find Jovetic in the loft <laughs> over the next <laughs> exactly. few days. Exactly. He's just, they're, they're just sort of, there's this constant kind of desire to sign more attacking players. And that, I mean, I suppose that's good. I, don't, I, don't know, I think I watched five games over the weekend. I watched her to beat Werder Bremen 3-2, Liverpool win 5-0, City Arsenal obviously sits three. Watch Napoli into which was four two. 
and one other, I can't remember the other one was, but there was loads of goals, and by the end I was a bit bored of goals. <laughs> it's only Sky that can't pick them out, have you noticed? Yeah. Sky pick a good nil-nil. <laughs> I know. It's, but I think, what I, I, like you said at the start, I don't think there's, a, there's, there's one solution. I think it's a lot of, kind of different things have changed. But what, what is, without question, such a... It's not coincidence anymore, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it, there is a theme to this, that you get, you get games between the big six or big seven, I guess, and you end up with these crazy scorelines. Even a derby ended three all, which is not a normal scoreline for a derby. It should happen once every so often, but it seems to happen, well, I think every season now. The, 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 the derby doesn't just end three all, and that's another kind of scoreline. And on, the, on, the, on, this for inst- on this, for instance, last season, I think it was last season, it was, uh, you know, Arsenal 5, Chelsea 3. Yeah, Scorelines like this, or that might have been the season before, but it's been the last sort of two or three years. I, I think it's an interesting that you mentioned Barcelona, because I was racking my brains, and there was two that really stuck out in my head, and one was Barcelona. Uh, the, two completely different examples, in a sense. One was Barcelona going to Real and winning 6-2. Yeah, and I remember that just being utterly mad. Like everyone was, I, I, we, I went out to watch it, and everyone was saying afterwards, "I've not seen anything like this. This is, this is, this has bamboozled me." And the other one that occurred to me actually was Stoke beating Bolton five nil, of games where you just go, "I can't believe that's happened." But since since those games happened, there's just been a rush of them. But do you think it's something that I've not done nearly enough research to be an expert? But the number, so the number of goals that are scored in every season in every major league is the same all the time. It's like just over a thousand a season. That's how many goals there will be in the Premier League this season, and that's not changing. That's not changed over the last two years, and it won't change this season. If you look, it'll, it might be a thousand and ninety rather than a thousand and sixty. But the, the kind of yeah. the number of goals in football is the same, and it ha- that's been stable for thirty years. So you wonder whether it's more that it's happening. You, you've always got, you always get freak results. So there's always a few results every season that kind of... I, I remember watching Spurs beat Reading. Was it 7-4 they beat Reading? Yeah. And I did a match. I was with the Sunday Mirror. I did a match report and the goals were just, were just bullet-pointed. There's no other way of getting them all in. <laughs> and, and, and then, then Dimitar Berbatov scored. So you always get results like that. But I think what's really interesting is that the games between the, yeah, the big six, which used to be so cautious and so sort of torpid and so just kind of mind-numbing and draining... They've, they've, com- they've gone completely about about face, really, and now now they, they go out and try and destroy each other, and that's that's great to watch to an extent. I think the more goals you get, the, the less they mean, and the less kind of climactic that moment is, and that's the kind of thing of football, isn't it? The goal is so rare that we all spend you know a lifetime waiting for it, and it means so much when it comes. Not like basketball, where it's like a you know a basket every thirty seconds or whatever. Yeah. But, what, but it suggests that there's a complete change of approach throughout the top sort of six or seven sides, and yeah, I don't think there's one factor that's, that's come to it, but it, it, it has definitely changed completely, like a complete about face. What strikes me as really interesting on it, John, is uh, you know, and Rory was, was, was getting towards it there as well. I think it is the fact that it's amongst the bigger sides, and they're actually of the bigger sides this season. Only really Liverpool have been putting the poorer sides to the sword properly. City's biggest wins have come against, they've scored the most goals against the biggest opponents. The toughest opponents is where they scored the goals. And it's 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 striking me as very, very interesting that it's not as though, you know, you're not watching week after week Arsenal haven't been putting people to the sword. They've been winning comfortably 2-0, 3-0. But they haven't been absolutely murdering people. And I think that is what is fascinating. I think that is what's changed. It's because I think it's... I, I saw uh, the back end of Arsenal versus City at the weekend. And what struck me as really, really interesting was when it went 4-2, there was a voice in your head going, 
If Arsenal get one here, they can win this 5-4. And I think that that was what was going on. It wasn't as though the, 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 the voice in your head wasn't going, if Arsenal can just stick it for 10 and then look to see if they can get another, then they could come back into this and maybe get it back to 4-all. You were thinking, if Arsenal score the next goal in this, it completely shifts the momentum. And suddenly these sides are looking at each other and going, we can just go toe-to-toe here. Yeah, it is interesting. I've just had a thought that maybe it's this... this managers you know how they're acting in these big games is, is a little bit to do with the fact that we've got managers at top levels who are still a bit unsure of themselves and a bit not unsure of themselves but a bit unsure in their skin and they're not you know even Wenger who's top of the league at the moment has had you know a lot of criticism and people call it his head in the summer and some Arsenal fans still doing it which is um, quite unusual but there you go and you've got people like Rodgers and even, even Pellegrini and people like that who's still sort of trying to prove themselves really and still trying to show people what they're about and still to say look this is me this is the type of manager I am so where does Ferguson, for example, or Benitez would have gone away and not been too bothered for if this is nil-nil in a dreadful game, I don't care. I, yeah. couldn't, I, I couldn't care in the slightest. Whereas I think for a lot of the a lot of the other managers, the managers who are at all the top clubs are still trying to kind of prove themselves and still trying to show that, you know, they deserve to be where they are maybe or that, that, that they are this top-level manager that, that other managers in the past maybe weren't worried about. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're just trying to show off a little bit too much. Do you think, do you think there's an element of... Uh, the managers are, are also because we've seen with them um, with all the man- all the sackings today. And if you take Bender out, the average term for a manager in the Premier League I think is 372 days. So yeah. a year, you get a year in the Premier League. Yeah. And you, you do wonder whether managers, just someone like Pellegrini, is not a naturally kind of out and out attack manager. He's put, he, he's not defensive, but he's quite sort of balanced. And that's mm. always been the way his teams have played. You wonder whether they know that if they go a little bit more attacking than maybe they they usually go. That it, it kind of buys a, a degree of safety because as long as you play the football in the right way, you see managers who've who've had success but weren't deemed to be kind of in the right style. Even Mourinho has to change their kind of approach because fans at the, at the elite clubs just demand attack. And you wonder whether it's it's almost a cynical move that the managers know if they if they, they if they lose games but they score goals, the fans are much less likely to get on their back. Well, I, I think that I think that what, that's what's interesting about this. But I was just saying in the break when we, we, we were on a chat a minute ago about this. I said if he'd have lost against uh, City two 0 and he'd have lost against Liverpool two one, then I think he'd still be in a job. But the converse of that is that if he'd have lost at City six three as Arsenal did at the weekend, and it, and, and it being the game that that game was, and he'd have lost at the weekend five four to Liverpool, then I think he'd still be in a job. You know, I think it's it's much the manner of this sort of stuff as it is anything else, and I think that that's that's a, a playing a big part of it. But I actually think this is sort of I think what this is one of the, this is playing quite nicely into the hands of Everton, of Newcastle, of Southampton as well. That these other sides do feel as though they've got to have this 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 ebb and flow about them. And I think it's something that makes actually again is an interesting question around Moyes' appointment at United. All of a sudden now, you know, you look at the Wenger aside and to a degree Mourinho aside for, for different reasons. Moyes sort of looks a man slightly out of step when all these other managers are making these step ups or arriving at these clubs. The way they approach the game is very very different, and it almost feels as though you know it's it's he's in a sense, almost a little bit retrograde, whereas the other ones are, as you say, you know, they are so desperate to get out there and prove themselves. Well, you wonder if, if he's having to change his kind of impetus or his kind of natural impulse so much that he, he feels slightly uncomfortable, I suppose, that he is he's not a cautious manager, particularly Moyes, but he's very kind of, yeah, he's, he's keep a clean sheet and then see, see if he can score rather than, right, if you score three, we'll, we'll score four. That's not his, I don't think he claims to be like that. But there is one other factor that I think that thinking about this that, that I did come up with, which is that you're not allowed to tackle anymore. And I think that's a massive <laughs> factor. That if you look at, it's to, what, 10 years since Chelsea signed Claude Makélélé, and we, we had this kind of, the, the, the rise of the Makélélé role, as, you know, the last player to have a position named after him was Claude Makélélé. But those midfielders don't exist anymore because the rules have changed so much 
that it's not really worth having a purist defensive midfielder. I know Arsenal have got one in Samini, but that's kind of it in the, in the, in, in the, at the very top level. You could maybe make a case for John Obi Mikel. He's kind of a proper defensive midfielder. Well, I, I think I think Gareth Barry is the best defensive midfielder in the country at the moment, and I think that's very, very interesting because he isn't just simply a destroyer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, th- I, I think that there's something in this one. Uh, you know, there's something in this one, Dave. I think that you know you're looking at these players now, and there's not mm. that clear sort of there isn't that this fella. All he does is break the way. <coughs> I think Lucas, for instance, this season for Liverpool, is being criticised for not. Being able to spark things off enough at the, at the time and at times, you know, it, you feel as though if you you watch this Liverpool team and you're thinking, Christ, someone just sitting there wouldn't half help. <laughs> and then, but and then, but then when he's doing that, you know, it's it's it, it, people go, well, we, you know, we, we need more from that sort of player. I think it is interesting how midfield's changed in this. I think it is a big big deal as much as the fullbacks. There now isn't that sort of there isn't either the the Vieira Petit notion of an enormous lad who wins battles everywhere. Mm. There isn't the idea of a lad who just sits, who doesn't roam around. You know, Momo Sissoko being an extreme example to destroy but there is instead now you know the, the midfielders are are sort of more multifunctional but without being box to box midfielders I think Rory's hit the nail on the head there I think that's more of a catalyst to how the modern game's evolved more than actual tackling being outlawed I think you know you, you look at that sort of even when Lucas was in his pomp before he had his injury you know you, you could you, there's an argument for saying that like that was a unique position for him to be playing that was a central defensive midfield role so even since he's come back you can see how much that position's evolved because you've got the likes of Gareth Barry who, who can pass a ball, who can set up attacks, who who's there to do so much more than just break up play. In you know, like Gattuso was say uh, AC Milan a few years ago. I think it's uh, Rory. I mean, do you think it's going to stop in these big games? Because that's the key thing now. Is you know, I do wonder whether or not I, it would be a real shame if Chelsea won this league this season because it'd be ludicrously sane. And I think that if this league, this league this season should 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 go to something pretty pretty mad, so everyone can go after you know to remember what happened in twenty four. Wasn't it bananas? And I think that. Go on. I was going to say, but do you think? Do you not think that, in a a sense, Chelsea winning it would be kind of the most insane thing? That you've got, you've got all the other teams are capable of these great moments of kind of wonderful football, and and then you've got a team that that really don't seem to be like I've I've seen Chelsea quite a lot this year, and they're just they're good and they're effective, and they they look a bit like a Mourinho team, but not not really. But they're not kind of they've, they've never hit they haven't hit a single height at any point, and they don't look capable of it. They're certainly not as good on the day as Arsenal or City, who I would suggest are probably the two real title contenders apart from Chelsea. And then you look at Liverpool, who you have to rank as, as kind of at least fourth in, in, in the race. And you know, they've had these wonderful moments, and Everton have had these wonderful moments, and Southampton are brilliant to watch. And United presumably will be good to watch at some point. And you know, even, even when they're not great, they're capable of playing great football. And Chelsea just kind of bottle on and they don't really do anything and they kind of win 2-1 against Crystal Palace and, and then they go and win the lead. I think that would be kind of suitable if, if in this most exciting season the most boring team won it. No! <laughs> no, it wouldn't, Rory! It wouldn't! It made me go, well, what was the point then? What was the point? What did we learn from this? What endless crushing misery? If I want that, I'll go and watch an Ingmar Bergman film. <laughs> It would it would kind of prove the, the essential futility of life, Neil. That's, that's what Chelsea would really would do. That's I, not I, what I'm after. Yeah, Rory, I've got the essential futility of life proven to me on a daily basis. For God's sake, man, there's a Conservative government. We've got the futility of life right in front of us. The last thing we need is another demonstration thereof. That's a, that's a piece in itself, whether Chelsea winning winning the lead would be the equivalent of the age of austerity. Um, yeah, no, I think... I, I know what you mean. I think it would be... It, it wouldn't be fitting, really, given that how, how chaotic and how unpredictable the lead's been if Chelsea went and just kind of 
not bored their way to it, but, you know, just sort of, yeah, trudge their way to the title. I think it's still a possibility. But you, to be honest, I think as a broader sort of concern, I think things have changed full stop. And I think the way that, I think, yeah, 10, 20 years' time, we'll look back on this Barcelona team and everyone's sort of saying today, oh, you know, City can beat them and, and they're not what they were. And I, I just find that really bizarre that we, you know, it's not, it's not a year since we were talking about whether this is the greatest team ever. Yeah. And yet they are not what they were. They are a shadow of their former selves. But their former selves were the great, possibly the greatest team who's ever walked the earth or played the game. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, they, a bit of a downturn for Barcelona doesn't mean that they're there for the taking. It just means they're, not, they're no longer the greatest team in history. And, you know, that, that still deserves a bit of respect, to be honest. But I think their legacy, as much as sort of the silver and the gold and the medals and the trophies, will be that they change the way that people want to play football. And I think that's a huge factor. They've proved that this, this sort of dominance of being able to tackle and win battles and earn the right to play. It's kind of finished. But now the, you, you, you have the right to play and you have to go and express yourself. And the team that does it best wins the game. OK, there's Rory Smith. For a while there, I was hoping he wasn't going to win that FSF award, but he's pulled it out the fire at the end there. Rory, <laughs> go and have a great, great night. Uh, we will. This is all in the game. Neil Atkinson, Dave Downey, John Gibbons are sitting in. We're going to talk about where, where things stand right after this break. Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It is City Talk 105.9. I was going to get them to play you the goals uh, at the start of the segment, but Jake, the producer, just told me it would take three minutes. And I thought, no, nah, I'd rather do the talking. It's a lot of goals. It's a lot of goals. It's a hell of a lot of goals. It's a huge number of goals. So, it, you know, he said it would be all, all ten would take three minutes. So I thought, no, we won't, we won't do that instead. We'll just, we'll just launch in. So pretend you've just heard um, <laughs> Alan and Steve's excitable commentary around the goals of the weekend. Oh, were you going to play Everton's ones? I just thought we were going to do yours twice. No, no, no. <laughs> Dave, that's, that's so out of order. That's not the way we work here in all in the game. If you want that sort of thing. Gibbo's making me angry. If you want, <laughs> what have I done? He's done nothing. If you want that sort of thing, Dave, you can listen to extra time. Yeah. That's not the way we do our business. Um, so instead, we're going to look at the, what's a fascinating league table from a Liverpool perspective. We'll have a look every week, me and Dave, at the moment. And the one thing we keep saying, or we kept saying, is you're waiting for the gap to break somewhere. And all of a sudden, Dave, there's a little bit of a gap, isn't there, between fifth and sixth? Yeah. Everton and Newcastle, there's just a little gap that's opened up. And you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if Palace gets something out of Newcastle this weekend. Palace at home, very unlucky not to get anything out of Chelsea. If they take something at home against Newcastle, you know, I'll tell you what, if you're, if, if you're Daniel Levy, your gutter Pulis is gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, we've got uh, where are we? Southampton, Tottenham. So someone's going to drop points there. Exactly. So um, you know, we, we spoke about the the gap may not uh, appear, but you know, it could soon be six points. It could it could open up quite quickly. United have got West Ham at home, which will be dreary for them. But you think you'd expect them to get something from? So you th- mm. you think that they're going to come with a little bit of a run? But we've got the next four fixtures in front of us. Uh, the next four round, what we can call the next four rounds of fixtures on the twenty first on Boxing Day, <coughs> on the the one that's on mm. split on the twenty eighth, twenty ninth, and on New Year's Day and Liverpool getting that result against Spurs what it's done John is it's made you go not just because of the nature of the games Liverpool have got and the fact that they pulled that one out the bag but because this little run of games now is bookended by Cardiff at home and Hull at home you're now looking at this going because they pulled the Spurs one out the bag well it's not so bad yeah I think before the, the run of these three away games you probably would have took three points I think maybe you would have expected to say three draws well, if, if that's where it's going to come you said yeah three points from that won't be too bad now we've got those three already I mean everything does feel like a little bit of a bonus I mean it means you have to win these two home games of course but we've been pretty good at that so you know touch wood I'm not too worried but yeah it, it kind of takes it does take a little bit of pressure on but off, but also gives you more confidence as well you start to think well you know maybe well, we can it, get something from Stamford yeah, Bridge yeah oh easily yeah because as, as Dave quite pointed out, rightly points out they're not playing great at the moment they were pretty fortunate against Palace 
Palace from what I saw. And, you know, City are scoring a lot of goals, but, you know, they're shipping goals against Arsenal as well. And, you know, we, we I'd like to think that we'd be better set up than Arsenal were to sort of deal with what City were throwing at them. Well, what was interesting was about Arsenal, and uh, there's a writer called Ted Knutson, if you don't follow on Twitter, I'd recommend doing so, and he's... Um he pointed out in a, in a piece he's written today, he's an Arsenal supporter, and he's pointed out, Dave, that Arsenal looked seriously leggy this mm. weekend, is what, he, what he's written. He, has, he said he worked out during the City match that Ramsey had played 500 more minutes than, uh, than Aguero already this season. I think this is interesting. I think that suddenly, I thought Arsenal did look leggy at City. I, you know, There was the moment when it went 4-2, and you look, Arsenal had a big five minutes. They had a big five minutes where they threw the kitchen sink back at City. And then they just looked like they didn't have that much left in the tank at all. It looked like we've got nothing mm. now, boys. And it wasn't just one or two. It was seven or eight of them looking at each other like, this has took it out of us. And, you know, Arsenal are away. They've got Chelsea. And then the next day, they're two in the Boxing Day. They get the two aways in the same way. Liverpool have got the two aways. Man United have got the two aways. Everton have got the two homes. Arsenal have got the two aways. That suddenly looks daunting for Arsenal, doesn't it? Yeah, but that, that's a, the, the big thing, what you mentioned a little bit earlier, with AVB, referring to his sack. And if they've got to be 2 1 by Liverpool, it's not as bad. Getting beat 6 3 at Man City may not sound quite as bad as getting beat 1-2-0 one, two, one, two you know what I mean and it, it sort of creates that false hope that you've actually played well and you're not tired when in fact like you said the reality of it is I mean the load of their players are out on the feet I mean Koscielny went off stretched off injured yeah. that's a big big problem because Vermaelen hasn't played for them you've got Walcott who's not going to be 100% match fit even though he looked okay and scored a couple of goals and, and they're relying on one striker as well you know it's it's very easy I think I mentioned to you in the break just before we come back to speak to Rory before Arsenal the one side in that top four when everything's great it, it, it looks fantastic they seem to have an abundance of talent when they start losing games you start thinking hang on what if Giroud gets injured there they've got no striker because <laughs> well I'm not even going to compliment Nicholas Benton call him a striker <laughs> uh, they, they, they seem to fall apart quite quickly seems to be quite brittle uh, and I, I'd tip them out of any one of the top four particularly with the run they've got particularly with having two uh, away games I'd probably tip them to be the side that probably fell away slightly so that that uh, the article at the end that you mentioned earlier as well uh, you know fatigue is massive Everton Liverpool no European football no even Carling no, no Cup League games. Cup now no you know it's the FA Cup in 6th of January I think it is uh, you know it, it's it's looking really really good there's no there's no sort of downfalls or pitfalls or anything you can see other than what Everton and Liverpool would create for themselves and that, that's the key thing isn't it John it, it suddenly feels like it's, it's, it's a host of opportunity for everyone and I, I still don't think that you know the idea that United it'll be hard for United I think to play catch up from the sense of coming top but it's certainly not difficult to imagine them playing catch up with the sense of getting, getting into the top four there you know there's there's so much still to play for here it's, it's and Liverpool was so good at the weekend and Everton have shown themselves to be Dave criticised them before so they started the second half slowly but they, they still scored four goals at home you yeah. know what I mean it's still it's still, it's still putting someone to the sword and I think that this is the point all of a sudden you know these these, these sides they look like proper football teams you know Liverpool now look like a side that was a it was a real 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 watermark performance yesterday we were quite drunk when we did the Anfield rap <laughs> but it was an emphatic performance from Liverpool the like of which you just didn't really see coming no, I didn't. I didn't see um, Sunday coming at all. For, from a Liverpool point of view, it all seemed to click, and everything that you've that you've heard Brendan Rodgers say about how he wants his football teams to play, and it kind of just sounded like sound bites up to that moment where it all came came together. And you're like, this is exactly what he's been saying, what he wants his teams to do, and to watch it. And they just absolutely took Tottenham apart. But it wasn't just gunko attack. It was you know, it was very disciplined, disciplined yeah. attack, and it was choosing your moments. It was taking care of the ball. It was keeping the ball. 
when he needed to, but spotting an opportunity and just being absolutely ruthless in terms of taking it. So I didn't see Sunday coming at all, and it, it, uh, that was the worry, wasn't it? Rodgers' Liverpool, have they got what it takes to go away from home and beat the top teams, and now we've done that. In terms of Everton, I've just been really, really impressed with them all season. When I, I went to the, the Goodison derby, and that was the best Everton team I've seen since I've been watching football, um, even though even though it was a, it was a draw, I thought they were fantastic and worried me slightly. But what the great thing for Everton, from an Everton point of view is they seem to be able to swap and change players and take people in and out and still be just as good. You know, they've got a, a good a good rotation system going in those attacking players and, you know, Morales is coming off the bench at the moment and was one of your best players last year and looked fantastic. And yeah. now, you know, you know he's not necessarily, he can come in. You know, they were without McCarthy at the weekend, but yeah. Osman just comes in, plays well, scores a goal. And having that system in place and having very good footballers who can play different positions and also have confidence in what they're doing and confidence in each other it just means that they they can they can have you know in the past I think if Everton had one or two injuries you know they struggled they had a good yeah. 11 you know you, you know, thought they had an excuse you know what yeah. I mean you yeah. like you had that, that yeah. mentally there was an excuse of yeah. well Baines is out now yeah. which is how, this time yeah. when Baines has been out that's absolutely not yeah. been the case we'll just get this fellow in who's going to score the winner at Old Trafford <laughs> and, and that's how quick it's escalated because even earlier on this season when we first got Lukaku I mean I think even when he scored his first goal we beat West Ham 3-2 away in the last minute he went down with a head injury I thought that's our season over you know <laughs> that's how quickly it's evolved because if Lukaku was to miss a game I wouldn't be necessarily too bothered I mean I've had a lot of Everton fans Liverpool fans fans from all over the place sp- speaking to them on Twitter saying oh well if Lukaku's injured you know that's Everton Everton season over and it's not Dale Lefeu similarly who got injured at the weekend he's injured now well you know it, there's, there's players to come in Morales comes the back the biggest miss would be Barry it would. The uh, biggest that, miss would be Barry. That's without doubt. And he's on, he's on four yellow cards at the moment. So I think if Martinez is wise, he sort of cherry-picked the game for McCarthy to miss through suspension. I think he might do the same if if he can get uh, Barry's yellow card to come in the next couple. He'll miss Sunderland or Southampton, which wouldn't be it's, as big as Swansea away. Is Gibson a complete write-off for the yeah. season? I mean, that's a shame for Everton, it is. isn't it? Because he's he's been good for Everton. You know, you someone about, you can use. Like you said with Baines and Ovie, though. I mean, you don't even think it. Darren Gibson has been involved. Yeah, it's crazy. Indeed, one word answers: Who's going to win the league? Who's going to come second? Dave Downey. Quick day. City, City, Liverpool second. Uh, John Gibbons. Liverpool first, Everton second. God bless him. This is all in the I game. Like he, can, he can come back next week, can't yeah. he, Dave? This I'm is serious? all in the game. We've got to end. It's all in the game on City Talk One Hundred Five Point Nine.